0: You are listening to The Unlikely Felon Podcast, episode number 10. Welcome to The Unlikely Felon Livestream. This show is peppered with humor, entertains with inspiration, and presents real solutions to post-traumatic recovery. Here is your host, author, speaker, and mistake maker, W.C. Young. I'm WC, and wherever you are, I hope you're uh, you're having a great day today, and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. We had a great time in Atlanta this last weekend, just a great weekend, and we have this tradition where we have a tab, it's a bar tab that the team parents of our club sport have fun with. Long story short, we were all having a great time, which we always do, and my wife, Kay, and I saw this couple at the corner of the bar, and I, I happened to be standing there ordering, and I said to them, they looked like they were on a date. And I said, wow, you guys are a great looking couple. And if you know me, sometimes I, I have this saying that I've kept in mind, if you feel it, you just say it, I guess within reason, right? But if you feel it, you just say it. So, some things you you may not want to say or or no, but uh, I like to do that. So I did. And I told him and the gentleman, he, he says, well, it's my 50th birthday. And I should, said, shut the F up. And he didn't get mad. He knew it was a compliment. He starts laughing and giggling. And I, I said, there's no way that you and I are the same age. And then I looked at his, his lady friend and I, I, she immediately said, I'm 44. And I repeated, I said, shut the F up. (laughs) No, no, I actually said the word, but now this couple, they looked probably 30 and 35. We ended up laughing and talking and probably 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes before they had to go. It was a great time. And it's great when someone gets your humor. You know, you just connect and you're, they get your vulnerability and you just being you because they they were, they were this great looking couple that um, they ended up having to, they were from Alabama, they had to drive home. So they left us. (laughs) And yeah, I still feel bad that uh, they look so much younger than me. (laughs) I even saw something this weekend that I haven't seen in a while. It was some coaches and a parent for the same team at this tournament were just about to get in a fist fight exchanging f-bombs at each other. there was some pushing and shoving. and I thought, what's this about? I felt sorry for the player who was watching their parent do this. That's not good obviously not good behavior to model and I felt bad for the coaches and this is why a lot I think there's some really good coaches who've quit competitive sports uh, and and most of all, I felt sorry for the parent because they were so angry and, and maybe they were disappointed that they felt that much anger that they had to, they had to answer things with almost violence with this extreme anger. And if you find yourself in a similar situation, if you're involved in, in competitive or even I think rec sports, here's the thing to do, wait 24 hours and then email the coach or call him, but don't go up to him right after the heat of the battle and everybody's pumped and it's just a crazy time. It's asking for problems. So anyways, I hadn't I hadn't seen that in a while and it just was like, wow. But please keep the feedback coming on the book and podcast. Let me get into the, the point of today's show. On today's show, I want to get into why people are not more vulnerable these days and and why maybe they should be and, and what does it mean to truly be vulnerable? And we often look at it as a negative thing, but what does it really mean? And, and maybe what doesn't it mean? And then what we should have done section, I want to talk about what I would have said to my gram, and Gramson, and, and what's what scares you about becoming, or even thinking about becoming a scare a caregiver. In inspiration, we've got it from a dancer, who came back from an incredible public onstage horrific injury, and we'll finish with my own vulnerability. I'm calling it a vulnerability awakening this last week. Something that happened to me that would have normally sent me down a rabbit's hole, but I, I want to show you um, how it went and, and how I felt. So I want to share my feelings with you. And it was, uh, it was definitely an uncomfortable moment, but let me start with uh, today with what does it mean to be vulnerable? The definition says capable of being easily hurt or injured open to attack or damage. I think most people think of it as a, almost you're being a weak person. You're not strong enough. You're caving in emotionally, but I like Brene Brown's definition of quote and the quote, she says, owning your story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Uh, man, I <laughs> I get that. You can, you can run from it or, or um, you can embrace it. She says, embracing our Vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and the joy you have. These are all the experiences that most of us, that make most of us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. Again, Brene Brown. So I think it's about dealing with who you are and where you're at in an honest way and then revealing yourself. And talking about your true feelings and what's happening. So let's touch base on that a little bit later. So in the what we should have done segment today, just real quick, I wanted to go through what I should have said to Grandma and Gramps uh, if if they would have been alive during the legal case. I would have told them that I should have pushed us to have more detailed conversations before their mental state changed. I would have apologized for not doing a better job of running and guiding the estate process. I'm, I'm not sure. How they would have answered, I know I I wanted to do what they had um, asked us to do, but the problem was not everybody knew what they had asked. But I would have told them that I should have been more open with everyone and just complete transparency. From the book, this is from the end of chapter one, I write, Judge Monarch progressed into the sentencing. He put his glasses back on and looked over them. Staring straight at Kay and me, he said, we have a civil society and you you should be commended. Every person in a helpless situation requires assistance, someone to prop up a pillow, lift them up and get them necessities. The elderly need help and service. Thank God for people like the two of you who are willing to provide care to help. You made sacrifices sacrifices that others didn't. He understands, I thought. Then the judge directed us to stand. My arms shook like someone with a fever as I pushed away from the table. I slid back my chair and stood as straight as I could. The room was so quiet, I could hear the blood pumping through my arms, starting at the bottom of my head, flowing down my neck into my arms, and then pumping back out again. I could hardly breathe. I almost lost my breath thinking about it right now, I almost as I, as, I, as I think about this, but I continue knowing that from this moment forward, nothing would ever be the same. Now talk about putting yourself in a vulnerable position and your family in a rough spot, but I'm grateful we didn't lie or try to cover anything up and we did the best we could in a very difficult situation. So vulnerability was about for, for me, and even that situation was about being honest and even now honest about your mistakes. Just a quick break to let you know that today's podcast is sponsored by the Amazon Associates Program, which is one of the largest affiliate networks in the world that helps content creators, publishers, and website owners monetize their traffic. Our inspirational comeback story today is about Melinda Roy. I I don't remember when I first heard about her, but uh, there was also an article in the, the New York Times. But Melinda left Louisiana for New York to become a dancer at the age of 12. And then I think around. 17 or 18, she became a member of the well-known New York City Ballet. And she actually, I believe, danced for 18, 20 years. She considered herself invincible was her one of her big things. And she was performing one night at the Lincoln Center and in, in the article in the New York Times. says So when she felt an odd tightening around her left knee about eight minutes into her first solo, she thought her stretchy velvet costume was to blame. And when the knee started to buckle, She assumed she would be all right if she just slightly shifted her weight to her right leg as she danced. But 20 minutes after that first twin, she suddenly collapsed in agony, curled up like a pretzel lying there. You can imagine she's in front of this large crowd. It's a live show right on stage. She said, I felt I'd never dance again. She said, I thought they might as well shoot me like a horse. (laughs) I think we've all been there at times. She would go on to not not dance anymore, but instead she became a Tony Award, Broadway winning choreographer, a teacher, a founder of her own ballet company. And sometimes we have to come back as something different, doing something completely different. It might see be similar to Melinda, where it's um uh, still in the same field or it's it is completely different. But let me know if you're ready for your comeback. And lastly, today I had a conversation last week, and it was rough. It was with someone I hadn't talked to for a while. Somebody who was uh, part of my life before the case and everything happened, and they've they've created a very successful company. I I'm not going to tell you what exactly they do, but they advise people on incredibly important matters of publicity and marketing, and we're just going to put it under that umbrella. But we're having this conversation, and I'm telling her about the book and the story, and, and she didn't remember much of it or maybe she did maybe she was pretending like she didn't but it was amazing the feeling that I received as I actually when I got off the phone I'm explaining everything and she said uh, well I can advise you and, and refer you and it's not particularly what she does that I needed for this particular service but as I when I got off the phone I had this incredible feeling of just depth and despair, and I thought, what in the hell is that about? And so I sat there and I really t- tried to start to to take it in, maybe swallow its the right word. <laughs> we'll get there. But Brooke, Brooke Castilla says something, she'll say, when you have these feelings, get curious and let them dangle there. And before you make a judgment or a reaction, because my first reaction was to try to find the, maybe drive to the tallest building I could and, and take a header off of it, but that's not a good good choice. So my second reaction was just to sit there and let it sink in. And I was trying to figure out, what is that feeling? Because you're talking to somebody who was, who was part of your circle back in the day and, and respected you and helped you with things that were connected to nonprofits you were involved in. Uh, your business, things like that, and now that's over. And it felt, as I looked at it, I thought, what this is really about is loss. It's a feeling of um, death, almost. like, And I and I knew that. I knew the day that that, uh, that knock came in February. It was the knock-knock at the door, and I knew when they started searching. And I realized after I told them that they were in the wrong place. <laughs> you have the wrong house. I'll never forget that. You have the wrong house. It's the house down the street. We had a neighbor that was around the corner that had, um, I thought they were drug dealing. In fact, one of our friend's brother had gone over there, and I guess they were trying to deal drugs to him and things. So anyways, they're doing the search, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. This has nothing to do with us. And then when they proved to me that it did, I realized that everything up to that point in my life had died. And, it, and then you go on. And you put things back together and you, I guess, survive is a good word. And then you start to flourish and you go out and you write this book and you do podcasts and you really try to help people. And then you do a, a call like this. And it had nothing to do with her. And this is not nothing to do with her. absolutely. She's an incredibly successful person. And, and when I met her many years ago, before all this, she was just getting going and she's done incredibly well. And she was very, very kind and very pleasant and very helpful. But I realized once again, of the loss that I, that I have and have had, and and I'm sitting there, something, I want to play with this feeling a little bit. I want to go through these emotions and figure out what this is, what this is really about. And that's what I come back to. It's that, that loss, That feeling of um, that pain over those things that you had and where you were going, and they're gone. I don't know forever, but but they're gone. And maybe the way they were defined back then is gone. Just kind of like whether you go through high school or college and it's over and 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, you're looking and you're thinking, that's over. I, I can't. I can't go back there and and do that again, right? And, and maybe some of you can relate to what I'm saying. Now, obviously, this isn't a life or death situation. It's an ego. It's a, a um, is that the right word? An ego situation. It's, it's everything that you built. I mean, think of where you're at today. I don't know, maybe you're 25, 35, 55, 97. Everything you built suddenly on a Tuesday morning is gone. You still have your loved ones. You have, you have your life. You have your health. You have all these things. And believe me, that's what has always kept me going because I'm so grateful for that. But yet you have that feeling of loss and no one's died. You know, thank God my wife hasn't left me or my kids aren't sick or any of those horrible things. But you go to that next level and it's like you, that incredible feeling of loss. I, and as I sat there, I was thinking, and I, I wanted to identify it because if you're like me and if you're you're listening to this out there and you've been through different trauma and things in your life, you and maybe you've battled depression and, and mental illness, as I have off and on and, and during different times and things, you got to be really careful because you can really go down the, the high-speed ski hill. You could drop so quickly into some depth of somewhere that you just don't want to go. And I get why people... Find themselves in really horrible or odd situations and do things that they probably, if they really thought about it for a second, uh, wouldn't do. And so, for me, it's it's grabbing onto that for a second and saying, okay, what is this feeling right now? What am I? What am I going through? And and why? And why? It, is it just strictly ego? Well, it's definitely ego? But it's that again, that feeling. It's and I, I kept sitting there. I'm trying to. I was trying to identify it, and that's what I came to. Is it was pain, it was loss, it was you can't reconstruct this. It was probably regret, right? Because you never should have regrets in life. Boy, that's so much better said than done, isn't it? You're gonna have lots of regrets. I tell my kids all the time, don't. that's saying, I don't know where that came from. But you're definitely gonna have regrets, but live your life. So that you go a hundred miles an hour and you give it everything you have. And, and even in the end, you're, you're going to have some of those, but who cares? But it is, it's those types of feelings. And it's funny when you sit there with those emotions for a second and just play with it and think it through and let it be and not react to it, how you start to have a better understanding. And I think because I've been able to, to do this now and whether it's, going to a function that I used to speak at, or being reintroduced to a crowd that I used to be one of the leaders. I mean, for for, health, for God's sake, I almost ran for, for mayor of the major city that we live by. And I truly believe I could I would have won. <laughs> now that's ego, right? But no, co- it's just confidence and I had the right people and I had the right ability to raise money and, and all those social capital, whatever words, You want to use it there was that opportunity and and who knows what that would have led to right and so you uh you gotta like i said at the beginning it's it's hard to swallow i'll be i'll be real honest with you it's hard to swallow and i've had several of these conversations but i think the, the the great thing with this one is that i sat there for a few minutes and i just let it be i just let it be there I let it uh it, I let it there was it was painful and it hurt, but I just let it be. And I tried not to frame it as as Brooke Castillo would say. Don't don't frame it as good or bad at Wayne used to talk about that. How do you know it's good or bad? He, Wayne used to told the story. I always love it. I re, I still to this day remember it when I'm out driving and I'm in the fast lane. Does everybody know there is a fast lane on the road? Especially on the I'm mean, on the highway. <laughs> There's the inside lane is the fast lane. Let's be really, can we be really clear on that? So anyways, and and I've got somebody in front of me. It's 65. Most people are going 75. Some people are going 100 in that lane. It's 65 and they're going 50. And they won't get over. And Wayne would tell this story. He's like, yeah, there's a little old lady. She's in front of me. And she's going 40 and it's a 60. And he'd start to get aggravated and impatient and go to hit the horn. And he'd say, well, wait a minute. She's probably saving me from wrecking the car, getting in a head-on collision, uh, rolling, rolling over, blowing a tire. That I'm going over the speed limit. I would end up rolling and dying. And, and it's like when you, and, and it's almost with, with this situation, which comes up every now and then. Again, when you're, it, I know you're out there. You could probably feel it too, where you're you're making a comeback, a personal comeback, right? And so you're trying all the time to redefine and, and rebuild and reconstruct yourself, as I've talked about on past podcasts, but then you're reminded. And it's almost like the person, I'm sure, and thank God I, I don't have to face this challenge at, at this point in life, but the person who's in, who's a paraplegic or in a wheelchair, who, who's gone blind or is dealing with some massive health uh, trauma issue is uh, making the best of it. You know, you are just taking it and, and you're making the best of the situation. And and for me, that's what this comes down to. And that's why I sat with this emotion and I thought I wanted to do a podcast on it because it's so it's so real and so fresh. And I know many of you out there are probably dealing with it at some level, whether it's you've been divorced and now you're you're going back to that crowd or the, the, the kids' teachers at school, or former coaches, or whether you've left a career, or you got fired, or your business failed, or you lost somebody. Somebody died, your brother, sister, mom or dad, husband, wife, God, hopefully not your kids, but you lost something, and, and now you're reinventing yourself, you're recreating yourself, and you're trying to figure out Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? But you're always constantly reminded of that loss, of what uh, could have been, what should have been, especially in relationships. I talk to people and I'm so blessed. I have an incredible marriage, um, which up till today is absolutely fantastic. What will happen in the future? Who knows? But I know people who've had good marriages or had good things in relationships and then something happened and and it went bad. And boy, for them, it's it's that day-to-day process to try to overcome it, to try to figure out who am I now? Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to make new friends. Maybe you have old friends that the the, the person that left you or the divorce, who the, the person you got divorced with, there with, was their group of friends. Or <laughs> there's always, There used to be something I haven't heard lately where they talk about uh, rolling the dice on if you got divorced, who, who would keep the friends, right? Because they say, well, who's going to keep the house or who's going to keep the cars or who might get custody of the kids, but there would be a thing about who's gonna keep the friends? And and we saw situations like that. Kay and I saw that where somebody got divorced and a lot of the friends went with one person or the other. Sometimes it's a 50-50 split, but a lot of times it was it was one or the other. And it's the same kind of it's almost that same kind of feeling that you go through. And and I just want to tell you that if you're going through that out there, I'm I hear you. And, you know, you got to be strong. You got to, and, and, and let me, for, for today, um, I, I want to tell you some, some tools and things that are going to help you, that are going to make it potentially easier for you to deal with this when it happens. And not to, to, to be judgmental or, or hard on yourself or, like I said, to, to drop off that mountain into that depression because it's strictly a reaction those emotions come on and, and if you let yourself react to it there you are you're you're aware it, it, maybe it deals with you don't want to drink maybe you're, you quit drinking and that that makes you drink or maybe you're you don't it makes you eat or it makes you get on social media or it makes you watch tv or it makes you not work out or it makes you do something that you don't want to do because you're reacting to it rather than Letting that emotion just sit there for a minute. And that's, uh yeah, just let it sit there for for a moment and kind of sink in. But uh I said when I started this podcast, I wanted to be transparent, authentic, and of course, vulnerable. So today, I hope it starts your personal comeback. We started the show with defining true vulnerability. And I think if we start to shift our view of what it is, it might help us with relationships and even being more honest with ourself and what we should have done. I'd I'd love to hear Graham and Graham's response to what uh, I would have said about the whole legal case. And in inspiration, Melinda Roy showed us that lifetime dreams and goals can be changed in an instant, in a second, but our comeback can often be our greatest victory. And I finished with my own vulnerability from uh, a real life situation. Maybe it's time for you to do the same when you start to go down the dark side, just let that emotion sit there for a minute. No need to react. And thank you so much. What a great show today! Thank you so much for joining me. Please, when you get a chance, pick up the copy of pick up a copy of the Unlikely Felon. It uh, continues to sell well. I'm so grateful, Kana. So grateful and blessed. Thank you so much. And remember, sometimes the best way to help the world is to make mistakes. Goodbye for now. If you enjoyed this cast, you must check out the website unlikelyfelon.com. You can buy WC's new book, sign up for the newsletter and see his speaking engagement schedule.